This is the Time Out with Shore Sports Podcast, covering sports on the shore with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Now, here are your hosts, Mark and Mike. And it is the timeout with Shore Sports Podcast, brought to you by our friends at Preston Ford. Mike Bradley and Mark Potter joining us remotely. So yours truly in the command center, in the hot seat, with uh, Mark on the road back from the University of Alabama and Virginia Tech as he continues his college campus tour. And uh, Mark, <laughs> glad to hear you're doing well. Glad to hear the kids are well. Man, you are spoiling the heck out of them. They're probably saying, when the heck am I going to get a chance to get that college experience on my own huh <laughs> yeah I, I gotta ask you how's it feel to be in the driver's seat where any screw up is your fault <laughs> oh i love it uh yeah just more responsibility that i need on my shoulders i i, I absolutely loving it mark i really am yeah, yeah well, i do appreciate you uh, stepping into the driver's seat today yeah i'm a Matter of fact, I, I just pulled off the campus of Virginia Tech mm-hmm. uh, after seeing my son for the second time in, what, five days, I guess. <laughs> and because uh, yeah, I saw him coming down. And uh, then we went and saw the daughter down there at the University of Alabama. And it just worked out. His his class got canceled today. His second class got canceled. So, you know, I, mean, I don't know what the deal is. It's like they have it so easy. So let me guess. Let me guess what the deal might be. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so I, I think they're they're probably right now discussing whether or not he's going to stay as the head coach of Virginia Tech. My yeah, God. that could I mean, be. He only beat he only beat Richmond twenty one ten, and my uh, my son is distraught over that. He's asking for a new quarterback. And a new head coach. Typical fan. Typical fan. I'm telling you. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, we're going to get to college football later on in the program because college football right now is absolutely turned on its head. It's nothing like we've seen over the last several years. So we're, we're going to have a lot of interesting discussion about that, including, as you talked about, Virginia Tech's uh, narrow win over a 1-2-A program, albeit a very good 1-2-A program in, uh, in Richmond there. But, uh, Mark, let's start first, though, before we get into high school football. We've got plenty to talk about on that end, but let's talk about your Campus Confidential Collegiate Edition. I mean, going down to the University of Alabama and taking in not only the tailgate, but of course the game as well at Bryant Denny. I'm telling you, that's an an experience unlike any other. So fill us in on on your experience uh, over the last weekend. Yeah, and let let me start off this segment by telling you this portion of the broadcast is sponsored by Hook Sunglasses. I wore my hooks on glasses all week <laughs> there at the, at the University of Alabama. You need a pair, too. You can check them out online at hookoptics.com or eisenart.net. They're available at an optical galleria. Three locations to serve you, West Water Street in Centerville, Harrison Street in downtown Easton, and in the Tealmarsh Plans in West Ocean City. And I got a lot of compliments on those as well. They a lot of people checked them out. So uh, who knows? Maybe we'll sell some down there uh, in Alabama <laughs> for the folks at an optical gallery. But, Mike, let me tell you, this place at uh, in Tuscaloosa, it, it's the epitome of a football town. They love their football. Uh, and yeah, they love all their sports, really. Um, my goodness, it was just an experience. The quad there around uh, Denny Chimes, which is a statue with a clock on it, and it rings every once in a while. Um, that whole field was filled with tents. 
that you could rent, by the way, for fifteen hundred dollars. Fifteen hundred. Wow. For fifteen hundred bucks, you get a ten by ten tent, and they'll give you some tables and chairs, and oh, they'll nice. hook up a, a small TV for you with satellite, so you can watch the other games going. on. All right, now that that's pretty cool. Now that that's nice. Now if you get one hundred fifty people, it's only ten bucks a head. Well, I will tell you, <laughs> two parents from my daughter's sorority group split it, so yeah. it was like seven hundred fifty bucks a piece, and my wife's like. We're not ever doing that. And I'm like, well, I might do it one time. You know? One time, so, yeah. Does that, wait a minute, uh, rating, I hear a rate increase coming. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, it's so cool. There's, you know, I don't know how many people sit inside Brian Denny Stadium or, or even stand for that matter because we didn't sit a whole lot, even against Southern Miss. Yeah, no, I could the imagine that you didn't, yeah. Oh, the atmosphere outside was thousands and thousands of people and the marching band the, you know the drum corps and the uh, uh, and, and the xylophones and all those are you know playing there by Denny chimes and you know they got the the walk and just just the whole atmosphere and other colleges have that but my golly this is Alabama this is the best of the best the number one team in the nation and they love their football down there, and and I love them. <laughs> so, Mark, you don't come um, off to me as a front runner, but man, your hook, line, and sinker for Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide—come on! Well, he is king down here. I mean, no, girls is. wear you know, girls wear buttons with Saban's face on them and says Saban's my daddy. Okay, <laughs> and so, he's made a or, lot of college programs his daddy over the years. <laughs> yeah, or, or Nick is my daddy, you right? Know? And it's right. like you know. They just they they live, eat and drink Alabama football down here. Yeah, and you know, and it is it is so cool to see that. Um, you know, the sororities they they all dress to the nines, you know, and dress up to go to the games. The fraternities they're wearing the pledges are wearing suits, and they have they're required to bring a date. And if they don't have a date for wow. the game, they're they bring a broomstick, and that's their date. Um, you know, some pledges have to wear Spider-Man outfits. And, I mean, okay. it's just – it was just really cool. But yeah. the student section was just raucous, you know, with their shaker flags. And I put some videos up on my Facebook page. And, and I saw some of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's just – yeah, you know, when they played Dixieland Delight there, you know, they just – the place goes crazy, of course. And they always do that in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, they, when the, they start, they tee up the ball for the kickoff. The whole crowd is going roll, and they just keep that roll on until he kicks the ball, and then they yell tight. Mm-hmm. You know, and nothing like opening up the football game with a 101-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. Um, Alabama did that, and then that same guy did it a little bit later on in the game, in the third or fourth quarter. It was just, it was quite, quite the experience. You know, my son tells me after I text him to tell him, you know, we had just left the stadium. He said, "Nobody does football like Virginia Tech. <laughs> Their game day experience is the best." I you said, might well, beg to differ with that. Out. Yeah, right, yeah, right. Well, we're we're going to find out uh, in October. 
um, you know, when we go down to check out uh, the game with Syracuse. No, so. no, no disrespect, but I'm going to assume that Alabama does it at least a little bit bigger than Virginia Tech. Not that Vod Tech doesn't have a great experience, but Alabama has been doing it a lot longer with a lot more success than Vod Tech has. And Brian Denny, by the way, 101,821 is the capacity. That's bigger than I thought it was. Um, fairly sizable. And Mark, that's for Southern Miss. That's not yeah. Florida or Georgia coming into Brian Denny there. That's for a Southern Miss game. They're, uh, they're fired up. And I have to assume, too, by the way, that the dressing up and the bringing of the dates, I have to assume that's just old Southern tradition there. Oh, you know what? The, the sorority and the fraternity houses there are immaculate. I mean, you know, it was parents' weekend. So Saturday, uh, you know, we started day. We took the daughter to the breakfast. And then, uh, you know, we got a tour of the house and you know, of the sorority house, which is amazing. And I put those pictures up on my Facebook as well. You know, and nobody does sororities quite like the SEC. Um, and, you know, it is just they're to the nines. Um, you know, my daughter doesn't live in the house this year. That's something she hopes to achieve next year, mm-hmm. which is a competitive process in itself. But it's just, you know, we had lunch at the sorority house, you know, Carb Max, you know, all these parents. And I'm a big people person. You know, I like watching people mm-hmm. and just, you know, you're looking at somebody like, nah, that's not their kid. No, no, that's not the dad. Dad's not around anymore. You know, (laughs) you know, I'm sure people look at my daughter and say uh, she's probably adopted. So, (laughs) well, that's what she tells them. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. But it's, you know, she's like, my daughter's like, who's that? I don't know their name. I said, well, you know what, baby girl, it doesn't matter. If you don't know them, you can't remember them, just make sure they always know yours. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's a good point. That's a good point. Well, Mark, I'm glad you had a great experience. As you mentioned, you'll have another one at Virginia Tech. And I know for me, my college experiences have been limited. I know I took my Uncle Steven, who's a huge Penn State fan. I know I took him uh, many years ago, I think 1999, when I was in college at Loyola. One of the women's basketball players was uh, her uncle was a Penn State booster. So, Lindsay was able to get me some really good tickets when they played Indiana. Antoine Randall was on that team who later played for your Redskins. And it was a great experience. It really was nothing that I had ever been a part of. I really hadn't had a chance to go to another college game until the Maryland Terps played East Carolina in a bowl game in the military bowl at uh, RFK and then doing Maryland, uh, you know, Maryland football on the network for a season. I got to do pregame and uh, halftime scoreboard updates and such at the stadium, outside the stadium, and then in the press booth, which is really cool. But I, I've been pretty limited in, in college experiences. But for you to be able to go to Alabama and then to uh, Vatech, and I'm sure you'll have some others. That's uh, that's something to be uh, that's something that you'll always remember for sure. Uh, there's no doubt. And uh, you know what? Once once you have this baby, once once your wife has this baby, and uh, you get through a year or two. My daughter will be there four years, probably five, because I think their nursing program takes a little longer. My son's going to be, you know, I think everybody does a five-year program. At that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they we, get we a few extra gonna, bucks out of you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's going to be that's on our bucket list. So uh, yeah. it, we'll we'll have a Potter Bradley trip to Alabama for a game. Well, that would be well cool. As, yeah, as well as Vod Tech. So All right. we're going to get you to both of those so that we can. 
we can experience it. See, you know, we can we can act like we're in college again, like the rest of these kids. <laughs> I don't. We didn't even. I didn't even have a football team at Loyola. That's the thing. We didn't even have a club team. So yeah, that, this yeah. will be me um, living the years that I never truly had. Well, they figure you had a college football team at Calvert, so you didn't need another one once you got to Loyola. <laughs> well, that's college prep, but yeah, some people thought we were actually a four-year college. Uh, no, I mean, doesn't Calvert Hall pay their players? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> No. Like, well, we give like no, Michigan. we give athletic scholarships. Like we Michigan do give athletic scholarships. We give athletic scholarships. We do, we do. Yeah. But you got to go to class, though. You got to actually show up and go to class. That's the difference. That's, Some schools give out sc- sports scholarships, and they don't care about their kids going to class either. We do. So, all right, let's do this, Mark. Let's take a time out when we come back. Let's get to the high school scene for Friday night in the Bayside Conference. It is time out with Shore Sports Podcast. Mike Bradley and Mark Potter on the road back to the Shore. Hey Delmarva, it's Chuck Month here at the Preston Autoplex. You can get huge savings on hundreds of new Fords, Lincolns, Mazdas, Nissans, Hyundais, and Genesis, and pre-owned vehicles, all at one location. During Chuck Month, you can get 0% financing on select new vehicles with approved credit. You heard that right, 0% financing. So come see us during Chuck Month here at the Preston Autoplex, located on the corners of routes 318 and 331. And remember, you can always shop for your next vehicle online, and we'll deliver right to your door at PrestonMotor.com. And this portion of the timeout with Shore Sports Podcast is brought to you by our friends at the Age Training Academy, where passion meets performance, located in Stevensville, 112 Long Canoe Circle in the Chesapeake Bay Business Park, now offering 24-hour gym access. More information online at theedgetrainingacademy.com. Again, Mike Bradley in Studio Central. Mark Potter on his way back from his college tour of the University of Alabama and went to a Alabama Southern Miss game and then Made his way back through Burger Tech to see the sun and uh, soon to be back on the shore where he belongs. And, uh, Mark, we've got <laughs> high school football to talk about from Friday night. And where do you where do you want to start? Do you want to start with our game of the week or do you want to start with the game of the week uh, in the Bayside South? No, I think let's start with the game of the week with uh, Parkside and Easton. I tell you what, I listened to parts of that game down here uh, when I was down in Tuscaloosa. First, I got to commend you and uh, Matt Griffith. You did a great job first time ever doing play-by-play, uh, you know, for a whole game. And uh, you did a magnificent job. And makes me feel very good that now I know that I can take more weeks off so that oh, you geez, can do those no. games. Uh, <laughs> so, no, please but, don't, although I appreciate it. I did have a blast doing it, though. Yeah, you know, the thing I was really surprised, Not so. it seems to me in listening to the game and, and looking at the score, is Easton's offense getting better as the year goes on, or was Parkside's defense struggling that bad? Well, I think that Easton's offense is getting better, but I, I don't think that at times Parkside was – uh, equipped to handle what Easton was throwing out at them. And I think scheme-wise, to some extent, they didn't make the kind of adjustments you thought that they might make uh, to help themselves out. That all said, though, Kevin O'Connor is not only a threat in the passing game with his arm, but he can run the football as well. Makes it very, very difficult. But I, I do see that the Easton offensive line in the second half of that Wicomico game and in the Parkside game, their line uh, did a pretty good 
good job of give, giving O'Connor time to throw. But when he was flushed out, he could throw on the run. He can keep it and run it if he needs to. And um, I, he's more of a run threat than his brother was. Yeah, and, you know, kudos to the Easton defense. They made the, the number of stops that they needed to make to keep Parkside out of the end zone, uh, you know, to, to win that game because it was a higher-scoring game than what I expected. Uh, I, you know, maybe to some extent. I think it depended to me if Parkside was able to run the football effectively and grind it out, taking uh, large chunks of the clock out and keeping Easton's offense off the field. That's a scenario where I could see the game having been a low-scoring game. But it didn't turn out that way. I mean, Easton was able to get up and down the field in quick, pretty quick fashion throwing the football. And for Parkside, you know, they weren't as successful running the ball between the tackles. But wherever they were successful was running the football outside with Therese Worthy and so he had a lot of chunk plays and in that regard you know when they did score when they did move the ball down the field push the field position they did it in big chunks not using a whole lot of time yeah and, and I think that's what it boils down to is you know the amount of time that Easton was able to score I mean they like to score in in, you know, in a hurry and they were able to do that at times uh, on Friday night but yeah, congratulations! A big win for Easton, you know, over a uh, what was used to be a two A 2A foe, um, and this year we'll get into the reclassification. But they still you know, are, as far as I'm concerned. You know, population yeah, yeah, wise, I, there. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I thought it was a good win for Easton. Uh, the other game that you mentioned of, you know, was Why uh, High and Decatur. Did they have to stop that game in the middle and replace light bulbs in the scoreboard? My God. <laughs> Uh, you would have thought so. You would have thought so. That was uh, that was quite a game, uh, a high-scoring affair. Many have said that's one of the better games that they've seen uh, recently. And Jace Freeman, the star of the night for the Tribe, scored three touchdowns, snatching two interceptions. Two of the, uh, excuse me, two of those three touchdowns were kickoff returns that Freeman took all the way back uh, to the end zone. And he wasn't the only one. Darius Foreman, their quarterback, broke off two different big run plays. A 60-yard touchdown in the first half and an 88-yard rushing touchdown in the fourth. Uh, Malik Leatherberry scored two receiving touchdowns. Decatur had some big plays as well. Uh, Zamir Handy, Bryson Coleman, Marquis Henry combining for six touchdowns. And five of them were passes from quarterback Ashton Snellsire. And we're still trying to confirm, Mark, the uh, statistical placement in Maryland State history with all this, but just to give you an idea of the night that he had, 516 yards in the air, five touchdown passes, as we just mentioned, and we think that that qualifies as maybe the second most for a game in Maryland history. That smell, sire? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's one thing that over the next two weeks, I want to get down to why high and i want to get to decatur and i want to sit down and talk to this freeman kid and talk to this snellsire kid and put these interviews on shoresportsmd.com because these two kids are are going places freeman has had quite the year started back at the game with north carolina and you know with why high and he is just he's a beast He's six foot four. You know, he's he's a two sport athlete in the sense of being able to play basketball and football. I would imagine he probably runs track as well because of his speed. Uh, but these are kids that I want to get to know better. 
Freeman's a hell of an athlete. And Snellsire, yeah, a heck of a quarterback in his own right, and, and a kid that's got such a good head on his shoulders. I remember talking with him before that, you know, these are kids that are doing great things on the base side and kids that deserve the recognition that hopefully they get over the years. You know, we've, we've had the success with with players, D1 players at, at North Carolina with Kendron Wayman and, and uh, um, ja- uh, Jamie on Franklin and David Bailey. But it's good to see these other kids that are getting their runs as well um, at D1. I mean, and then you could go D3, you know, and D2. I mean, we got a lot of kids from the Bayside playing. You know, Salisbury's game, you had Joe Bildstein and uh, Figueroa, who used to play from North Carolina. They played against each other on Saturday. Yeah, and then you got kids that are going to play at Stevenson University and, and also at uh, uh, Frostburg. And, yeah, just there's so much, so many good athletes that come from the shore that I don't feel like the kids have gotten the recognition they deserve. Yeah. Well, we talked about that. And, you know, that's a whole a, a whole other program that we could really get into. But uh, getting back to, to, to the game on the field, Mark, uh, from the macro to the micro, the question was going to be, could Decatur stop Wicomico's ground attack or just their offense in general? And then conversely, could Wicomico stop Decatur's air attack? And as it turns out, for special teams, the difference in the game with the two touchdowns returned by Wicomico and Coach Coleman took uh, the blame for even trying to kick off. They thought they could get the ball into the end zone for a touchback, but as it turns out, uh, it, it didn't work out so well uh, both times. And the, the other one, actually, they did try to kick away, but he still was able to field it and return it. But he took full responsibility for that. But uh, you know, as you as you take a look, Wicomico was still able to get it done on the ground. The Cater couldn't stop him on the ground. And while we talk about Wicomico and the ability to run the football, Mark, they can throw the football now, and they could do it pretty well, and they could score and they have. So, uh, you know, Darius Foreman not only is a runner, but now he can throw the football, and Jace Freeman is one of his targets there, and they're making the most of it. Uh, conversely, uh, Snellsire, I mean, they threw the ball just about every time. I think they only ran the ball twice in that game, Mark, because they were getting a lot of man-to-man coverage. Snellsire was 28 of 44 in that game, 516 yards. Now, we mentioned the five touchdown passes, but he did throw three picks, and he had one late in the game that Wicomico ended up uh, sealing to deal with essentially so uh, the, you know as you take a look at you know turnovers and special teams uh, touchdowns given up you know those were the differences in the game but nonetheless uh, Decatur bouncing back from a tough loss at Kent Island and giving Wicomico all that they had but simply their issue is they have not been able to stop the better offenses though but you know and we're going to get a good uh, look at why high again this week with our uh, overtime Live Preston Ford Game of the Week, which we'll talk about later on with yep. Ken Island and Why High. One thing's for certain, by the time we get to the playoffs, Why High is going to be pretty well tested. And with the way they have the playoff layout, you know, Why High, if they're going to win the region, well, they're going to do it having to beat, you know, either a Decatur or, or a um, or a, a, a Ken Island right. because only two teams come out of the region, which, again, we'll get to that later. But I, I just think they're going to be well-tested, and they play again, you know, may, maybe the result is different. We've always said the one thing about why high, and they've had the athletes for years, it's discipline. Do they have the discipline to do what they need to do to get far? 
And I'm not sure if Isaiah Taylor believes that this is their year, but he damn sure is making it look like it is going to be their year because he's doing a heck of a job yep. coaching up these kids there at Y High. Absolutely. And we'll find out ultimately who the best team in the Bayside is with the game of the week with Ken Island traveling to Wicomico, our game of the week, pregame at 540, kickoff at 6 o'clock. And, Mark, look, there's still, after that game, there'll still be four games left in the season. So there are still things that can happen, but at least after week five, we'll know who the number one team is. But at that point, if if Ken Island wins it, they will have beaten the top teams. If Wicomico wins it, they will have beaten the top teams. Although I guess Ken Island and North Carolina, though, haven't quite played yet, though. So um, we'll mostly know. Put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think we'll have a pretty good idea. Uh, before we talk about the Ken Island game, why don't we go ahead and take a quick timeout, and then we come back. We'll talk about the rest of the high school football slate from Friday night right here with Time Out with Shore Sports presented by the Preston Automotive Group. If someone you know is exhibiting signs of depression or withdrawal, take time to connect. Ask, are you okay? Listen closely and without judgment. Share mental health resources. For All Seasons Behavioral Health and Rape Crisis Center is here for anyone struggling with a mental health challenge. Visit forallseasonsinc.org. That's forallseasonsinc.org. It's okay to ask for help. For All Seasons is here for you. And this portion of the Time Out with Shore Sports podcast is brought to you by Midshore Exteriors, handling your roofing, siding, and gutter needs across the shore. Every detail matters, so let the Master Elite GAF certified and Shingle Master Roofers take care of your home or business today. More info at MidshoreExteriors.com. Mike Bradley back in Command Central. Mark Potter making his way back from uh, not only Alabama, but Virginia Tech as well as his uh, college confidential wraps up, at least for this time around <laughs> mark before we go any further on some of the other games of the bayside friday night i did want to go back though to a couple of things one with steven decatur head coach jake coleman said something that i thought really stood out to me i asked him i said you know after the game how are the kids mental state right now i said you know coming off a tough loss to ken island bouncing back and playing such a good game at a competitive game at home against wicomico in another big matchup another litmus test game for them but to come up short again and, and get an L no matter how well they played, no matter how close the score was. And, and he said, I don't know what to tell you. You know, these are football players and we're coaches. And he said, you better be prepared to handle whatever comes your way when you cross that white line. And I thought that was so well said because in competition, yeah, the goal is to go out there and win, but you never know what is going to happen through the course of a game, whether you get an injury, whether things just don't go your way, and you lose a heartbreaker on a crazy play or a bad call by an official or whatever it is, but that you have to go out there and you can accept, you have to accept all, yeah, all the great stuff that comes with winning and, and the good things that can happen on the field, but you, have to, you also have to accept uh, the bad things that may happen as well. And ultimately, once the game's over, you cross that white line off the field, but you come back and and that's the commitment that you made at the beginning of the year you know it's not like well we lost a couple of big games i'm done you know we're this is it we're over season's over i'm packing it in it's not the way it, that's not the way it happens no and you're right and i think we've got some great football coaches here on the base side and you can see these coaches building men 
because when it when it gets down to it, it's high school football. They're not being paid. They, you know, the coaches aren't paid that well. Right. And they're doing it because they're coaching because they love the game and they love the kids. And then the players are playing the game because they love the game. And it's an opportunity for them to get out and play at what I think is the highest level, you know. And do we have any championship teams here on the shore? That's yet to be seen. However, you one thing I think we'll find is that the coaches will never stop coaching and the players will never stop playing. No matter what the score is, they're going to give everything they got. And, and that's important to note. And I, I don't think that we have seen any teams this year just give up. And you know, no matter what the yeah. score. I mean, you look at somebody like Kent County in Washington, who they have been getting plastered, but yet they still go out and they compete week after week. They're not walking off the field saying, you know what, we're done. We can't compete. No, Mark, it's well said. And those programs you highlighted especially, they've never had a season where they haven't fielded a team. And the only reason why Washington didn't field a team in the spring was academics because of the virtual learning that set back a lot of students. That was the only reason. It had nothing to do with we don't have enough players to field a team. So I think that's I think that's certainly well said. And you know, the, the other thing, too, um, you know, about that is that you're right. It's uh, Those are the kind of lessons that players are going to learn that look you've got to be able to accept when you step into uh the uh, the arena if you will of the business world or whatever it may be outside of your high school football career and high school or college sports that you have to be prepared for the good and the bad and that's right you know we could speak mark we could speak to the radio business you know we love what we do but we know when we step in here we know that it's a volatile business and we have to be willing to accept that one day we may be told you got to look for other employment. And, you know, we have to be able to accept that. If we're not, if we don't want the volatility, then it's not a business or, excuse me, a profession that we should be in. No, yeah, you're right. And, and that's that's life. It's yeah. uh, You have to be willing to adjust on the fly. And listen, you know, everybody's life isn't just full of, you know, a bowl full of cherries. I mean, right, right. you're going to have trials and tribulations, and it's, it's how you deal with those trials and tribulations that determine your success. I mean, we didn't get to where we are with Overtime Live for 13 years, you know, without the the level of success and without the support that we've had from our sponsors. You know, I mean, we've, gosh, we have, what, a 95, 90, 95% renewal rate with our sponsors, and it's because they love what we do. But without those sponsors, there isn't a Overtime Live or a Shore Sports or a Time Out with Shore Sports. And, you know, it's, you have to be able to adjust to changing times and, and occurrences in football games or any other sporting events or just in life in general. Your success is determined as to how you handle adversity. Yeah. Mark, well said. Let me uh, go through a couple more of these games here, and then we'll take a timeout. We'll come back, and we'll talk about one of the big stories for Friday night as it pertains to high school football and these Bayside teams and all teams of the state of Maryland. Just wanted to go back to our game of the week, Eastwood and Parkside. Uh, Kevin O'Connor, 21 of 37. 
for 306 yards passing. He ran for four touchdowns at a career-high 155 yards. So we could talk. Ashton Snellsire in the south had himself a game coming up just a little bit short. We could talk about Darius Foreman. We can also talk about Kevin O'Connor. All three had themselves a game on Friday night. And I got to tell you, too, that uh, – go ahead. Go ahead. So O'Connor had – 306 yards passing and 155 rushing. So he was 461 yards of offense. Yeah. Yeah. It was wow. qu- it was quite a night. It was quite a wow. night. Yeah. I'm t- he's he's something. And look, his brother, by the way, was at the game. And it was great to see his brother Ryan at the game. Um, he was sitting just uh, in front of our press box there. But we know that his brother, uh, or excuse me, Ryan, Kevin's brother, he extended plays well. And that's what he did. And uh, he could throw the ball extremely well. And he did a lot for that Eastern offense. His brother Kevin, though, he can throw, but he can, he's legitimately a run threat where you could call plays for him, not just extend plays with his legs. Unbelievable. Yeah, you quite know, an athlete. So that's just another player that we got to get to know a little bit at shortsportsmd.com. Yeah, and, and a defensive end, and a defensive end at that. It was just, uh, yeah. it's crazy. But, uh, yeah, and I also want to got to give some shout-outs to, to uh, you know, some of the receivers as well. You know, for, uh, for Easton, that is Sharif Curry and John Carreri and, uh, and Nixon and also – you know, the running back as well did a heck of a job. For, uh, Graham Hathaway, that is the senior running back, did a heck of a job. 15 carries, 102 yards. Uh, he was uh, he was a bull. He runs hard. He really does. So, and, and that was the big question coming in for Easton is, one, how would their offensive line hold up? Because they lost a lot on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. And they lost all the specialty positions on the offense. They lost the Grant Copper, the Nate Book, the Jaron Winters, all of those kids. So, Curry and Carrari and and the rest of the gang, they're stepping up and doing a nice job. Yeah, well, they didn't. They, I think they had three returning offensive linemen. They lost two, the two pretty good linemen though. But uh, you're right in terms of the receivers, that was a big question mark there. And right, would they be able to run the ball? Uh, would they commit to running the ball more? And they uh, and they did all that, and they certainly look good. And uh, they, they've got other games to prove themselves, including well, Friday night, North Carolina, who yeah. decided not to play. Now their game got canceled, as we know, because of uh, well, we think COVID. James M. Bennett uh, canceled that game early last week. Uh, they had a chance, them being North Carolina, a chance to play, we're told, North County out of Anne Arundel County. They decided not to do it. But one of the reasons could be not just in getting healthier with guys nicked up, but, Mark, it could be, hey, Easton is, is a secondary rival of us next to Colonel, and we want a game plan for them. Well, and, you know, another thing is uh, James McCormick's on the football uh, committee, so he probably knew the playoff thing was going to be get, everybody was getting in. And they you gave it away, win. Mark. <laughs> and, you know, they, they, they uh, you know, everybody gets into the playoffs, which we'll talk about in the next segment. But, right. you know, I, I think getting healthy was the main aspect. Okay. And, you know, I, I think that because they've been beaten up this year and it's they have a game plan for success to beat North Carolina. The big question does, you know, does North Carolina have the horses to beat Easton this year with the defense? We've seen them play well. Right. But they've got to be able to beat that offensive line that Easton has to put pressure on O'Connor and contain O'Connor 
and you know maybe a couple extra days to, to work on that game plan. You may be right. Yeah. Well, we know how good Tim Goodrich is, the defensive coordinator at Kent Island, you know, Jody Ward in North Carolina. So the question is going to be their D-line against Easton's O-line, how much protection could they give O'Connor? But realize, though, O'Connor is a runner, so you've got to account for him. You could try to blitz him, but he's going to make you pay at some point. You may get a couple of sacks. He's going to make you pay at some point. And so they have to realize that as well, and they may have to keep a spy on him, which means you know one less defender that uh, can help in the passing game in those situations, which, of course, Easton goes pretty much shotgun uh, all the time. So that'll be an interesting matchup to watch. Uh, certainly think Easton has the firepower, but uh, they won't, uh, they're not going to get an easy go of it in terms of being able to sit back there and throw the football. So we'll, uh, we'll see, and we'll see how much of a running game they could establish, uh, establish against Caroline, too. That'll be, you know, that'll be huge in the play-action game. Well, Colin Joseph is the defensive coordinator. I'm sorry, Colin at, Joseph. At I'm sorry. Yeah. And, and he coaches the D-line. Jody Ward coaches the linebackers. And, and then McCormick takes care of the DBs. Yeah, I, I think that you're going to find Joseph's you know, deal is we're going to put pressure on him. Yeah, we're we're yeah. going to come off the edges and we're going to put pressure on him. Sure. And then Ward's linebackers have got to make sure they contain the alleys um, and, and, and do, take care of the hook to drop you know, and spread them out a little bit. North Carolina, you already know what North Carolina's going to do. Yep. You can spread them out and play all you want. It's what they do with their – you know, strong safety. They play a four-four. Yeah, they take a strong safety and pull him up into the box. Yeah, and he can either cover or he can come off the edge, depending on what's going on. So, you know what they're going to do. Easton knows what they're going to do, and it's it's going to be a game of you know where the players determine at this time, not the coaches and and the uh, their uh, what they've drawn up. The players are going to have to determine it. They're, somebody's going to have to step up and make a play in that contest. And since Y High and Kent Island are, you know, playing this week, we feel it's important to go cover that as our game of the week. But we originally had North Carolina Easton dialed up because we knew that was going to be a pretty good game as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, wrapping up the rest of week number four, we mentioned North Carolina, James Embedded, no game, no contest there. Also Washington and Nandua uh, from the Eastern Shore of Virginia, no contest in that one either. Uh, Colonel Richardson defeats Snow Hill 42 nothing. We know Snow Hill has offensive, make that defensive issues. I thought Snow Hill uh, would score some points. I thought that may be a high-scoring affair, but credit Colonel at home, uh, more experience to play the tougher schedule. They get it done as they did in the spring with a commanding win over Snow Hill. So they've got now two 1A wins. So their matchup against Cambridge will be key. Also, uh, Queen Anne's over Kent County, 82 nothing. I'll just say this, and I had somebody text me and say, that never should have happened, uh, especially with a running clock. Realize, though, Kent County is extremely young. They've got some injury issues, but Queen Anne's has less than 25 players on their roster, and they're playing a number of young guys, including freshmen and sophomores, on their team as well. So based on what I talked to, or excuse me, based on what I heard in talking with uh, Queen Anne's, that was not a situation where they purposely ran up the score. You need to know the context of it. And until you do, people that make comments on it are simply speaking out of turn. Well, please fill me in because how in the hell do you score 82 points in a football game? Uh, Turnovers, interceptions, uh, big runs that took a short period of time on the clock. Okay. All right. So 
so there were some pick sixes and kickoff returns and things like that as well. Yeah, that's where that's where we're told. I mean, yeah. And you know, I I'm one of those that believe you never tell a kid not to score. All right. Um, yeah, I believe because these these kids are learning the game now, especially if you're putting your backups in and you know, with only 25 players, you don't have a lot of backups. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know how you can with – they didn't even have 25. I think he had 23 or 24. Yeah, so you don't have a lot of backups. But, you know, so the kids are playing, and if you're running a play, I'm not going to tell a kid to, you know, take a knee at the two-yard line or run out of bounds. I just – I find that more disrespectful than scoring a touchdown. You know, so I'm all for the scoring part. But 82 points in a football game, boy, that, that's kind of tough. It, it is, yeah, it is crazy. But realize of and and with injuries, their numbers may be below 30 at this point. But realize 13 or 14 of the players on Kent County are freshmen. Right. So yeah. what you know, that's what I, you know. That's yeah. It seems crazy yeah. amount, but if it's going to happen, the scenario that played out. And again, Queen Anne's though, they've got a number of freshmen and sophomores they're playing too. Yeah, I, that's. That's called being taken behind the woodshed and getting a whooping. Yeah. Well, look, I, I expect in it a couple of years, Kent County will be able to look back at that game and say, remember when? Well, we took our lumps, and now we're delivering our lumps. And uh, that's You're certainly right. what you hope under head coach Brian Aiken. All right, let's take a timeout. When we come back, we've got big news from the MPSSAA. And this portion of Time Out with the Shore Sports Podcast is brought to you by College Placement Consulting, providing invaluable college planning and high school guidance from sophomore through senior year. Let the dedicated professionals at College Placement Consulting help your child prepare for college. Go online to schedule a no-obligation appointment now at collegeplacementconsulting.com. Mike Bradley, Mark Potter with you as we continue into another segment of high school football. And we're doing so because, Mark, there was big news that came out Friday. Now, as I did a Google search uh, during the game of Eastern Parkside, which I was filling in for you during the play-by-play, I didn't see anything come up in the news section, but when I got back to the station, we saw the news that the Maryland Public Secondary Schools Athletic Association last Friday approved a proposal to alleviate issues associated with COVID-19 quarantines, loss of football contest, and to provide what they say is an equitable opportunity for all schools to compete in the football state championships the proposal will allow all 182 member schools playing football to enter the 2021 state tournament now schools will compete out of their regional bracket with the top two schools after the opening two rounds of playoffs advancing to the state quarterfinals the championships will feature six games the weekend of december 4th through the 6th so you may be asking well how is that happening six instead of four well majority support from the state football committee follows the same playoff format with the exception of adding two classifications to allow all member schools to compete out of an eight-line regional bracket in one of six classifications. So, Mark, that means that there's been some shaking up of the teams and where they sit as compared to where they excuse me, as to where they would normally sit. Yeah, and I'm scratching my head on a couple of these um, you know, like the, the 1A-2A, for instance. So they've got a 1A, a 1A-2A, a 2A, a 3A, a 3A-4A, and a 4A. Correct. So there's your six brackets. 
and they have, for some reason, put Parkside and Cambridge in the 1A2A. That is and, correct. And I, under- yeah. and, and I understand it's done because of size of school. However, the road just got – I mean, it was already going to be tough for Cambridge under first-year head coach Toby Peer and you know them learning a new offense and all that. But it just got a whole lot – go through some of the bigger schools as well just to get to the playoffs. Yeah. I also feel, that being said, the road might have just gotten a little bit easier – for somebody like Colonel Richardson, who's having a good year against like-sized schools. Well, let, let's run through the classifications in this uh, new uh, six-classification breakdown here as compared to the four that we're used to in the 1A, 2A, 3A, 4A. Uh, Class 1A in the East, Colonel Richardson, Kent County, Washington, and Snow Hill are joined by Perryville, Bow Manor, and Surrattsville. In the Class 2A, 1A East, you've got Cambridge and Parkside, as Mark just mentioned. They're joined by Elkton, Rising Sun, northeast of Cecil County, Hartford Tech, and Falston. Then you have a regular Class 2A. North Carolina, Queen Anne's, Kent Island, Easton, Wicomico, Stephen Decatur. So that's about as normal as uh, you're going to get. And then you've and got the toughest and probably the toughest bracket yes. in all of high school football. Yeah, C. Milton Wright and North Hartford are the other two teams that join them there. Then in the 3A, and the only 3A team in the Bayside is James M. Bennett, and that's a team that didn't even field 30 players to start the year. Um, James M. Bennett is joined by Oxen Hill, St. Charles, Northern of Calvert County, who, by the way, is ranked in the top 25 in the state, uh, Longreach, uh, Chesapeake of Anne Arundel County, and Crofton, also of Anne Arundel County. That's a new school. That's the first year that they're playing varsity football. I think they had two years of JV before they uh, kicked off their varsity season there. So that's the breakdown of the Bayside teams joined of course by some other teams on the western shore and what i find interesting in this two things one the state has already said this is just a one-year deal we're not doing this next year and two teams can opt out of playing in the playoffs yes so you wonder if kent county or if washington or you know they go winless or snow hill they just don't feel like you know what we we're gonna have to go compete somewhere else because they're going to rank you according to your finishes. So you already know that Kent, Washington, and Snow Hill are probably going to be the lowest ranked. So when you look at that, do they go ahead and opt out and you have teams getting first-round buys, or do they go ahead and play the game because there's a reason you play the game because anything can happen. Mm -hmm. But when you look at that 1A East in particular, Colonel Richardson – is going to play one of those lower-ranked teams because of their schedule, and they may have an opportunity to go to the state tournament, which now starts with quarterfinals, where they have the top, you know, instead of the top four teams, you have the top eight teams playing. Yeah, Mark, my guess is that Washington and Kent County – well, I can't even say that for Kent County. My guess is Washington will opt out. 
My guess with Kent County is depending on their health situation, the numbers that they have, if they have the numbers, I could see because they're so young and getting another game in there, I could see head coach Brian Aiken saying, yeah, we want to go ahead and play that game if uh, we've got the numbers and we're healthy enough. If not, I could see him saying we're going to bow out. I'd likely see Snow Hill participating even if they're 0-9 on the season. Right. That's that's my that's my guess. But you're right. Of those, Colonel Richardson there, uh, they're in a good spot. Now, here's the deal, though. We have not seen any point standings from the state because of a number of teams that haven't been able to play because of COVID, et cetera. So I guess they felt like, well, yeah, we could put them up, but it's it's not apples to apples. But I have not been able to see how other teams have been doing, and I haven't had the time to sit there and break down every team, you know, on max preps or what have you and see how they're doing. Uh, usually I start with the points total. They are supposed to come out with that, I believe, at the end of this week or next week, that is. Uh, but uh, th- that said, so I I don't know how these other teams are performing this year, to be fair. Yeah, they said they'd start putting points up after week four. After so, week four, right. So after, yep. well, we are actually, we're already through week four. Are we? Yeah, we, have, we played four games already? Well, we have. So yeah. I, may, maybe they're going to put something out this week. But, before yeah, the week five Tuesday games, or Wednesday. Yeah, they'll come out Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah, that's a, so. Either today yeah. when this podcast drops or tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we'll have to wait and see how that works out. But you know, when you look at the uh, look at the one A two A, you know, Cambridge going against the likes of Elkton. I mean, there's that road is going to be tough for any of the Bayside teams to do well in the one A two A. And then when you look at the uh, regular flat two A. Man, it it is loaded because you figure you have got Decatur, you've got Y High, you've got Kent Island, you've got North Carolina, you've got Easton, and you've got Queen Anne's, which, you know, Queen Anne's has been down, but how can you call them down after, you know, scoring 82 points this week? But you have those five teams and and throw in three more teams from the uh, uh, from the north part of the uh, state and that's going to be a competitive conference uh, i certainly agree and I, i'm just taking a look ar- i'm taking a look around the state just a, a little bit here you know we always know that the two-way west is been one of the tops in the state and they get broken up a little bit because you've got in the class two-way you've got century walkersville middletown oakland mills glen elg hammond and poolsville but then in class 3a they've got frederick who i think is having a better year than than they've had in a long time uh Linganore, oakdale rockville damascus who's having a down year though south hagerstown where coach pier came from and north hagerstown so broken up a little bit there yeah and hey, it's going to be exciting it means that we'll probably have at least three playoff football games to bring you uh, with our overtime live Preston Ford Game of the Week presented by Best Western Plus Easton and for all seasons. What are your feelings on the everybody gets a trophy and a chance to play? Well, normally I'm not for it. Um, this year I could see them making the exception. But I also take a look and say, yeah, but if you've got a number of teams that are going to opt out who go 0-9 and 1-8, and what was the point of doing this in the first place? And I don't know – I mean, I would have to assume – but maybe I get in trouble doing this. I would have to assume that maybe they reached out to 
everybody and said, okay, hypothetically, if you're 0-9, what's the likelihood that you would still participate? Now, if we go on that assumption, then the assumption is a lot of those teams said we would still participate. If they didn't ask the question, then why did we do this in the first place? Yeah, and it's just a one-year thing. I mean, well, we, supposedly, cool. let's hope, because I'm certainly not for everybody getting in during regular times. Yeah, and, you know, for the other sports, it's always been where everybody gets in. Yeah, and I think you that's know, ridiculous. For, Absolutely ridiculous. You know, and, you know, and it's that's the way it's always been. And as a former coach, you approach the season, every game's a scrimmage, and basically you're just playing for an opportunity to host playoff games. And that's what it boiled down to. But, you know, I, this year's a little different, I guess. I, at least at least we get to play games, and at least we'll have the opportunity to play for a state championship, and we'll see what happens uh, when it all shakes out here and over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, the playoffs will start the, the first Friday in November. And I think that – we're not talking about college and certainly not the pros here. There's a lot that's out of the kids' hands. So it's one thing if the kids themselves, the teams themselves, ultimately kind of determined whether or not they were able to get all of their games in or most of their games in. But there's a lot of different things at play here. And it's not like these kids are isolated either. They, you know, they're with other kids that don't play sports, etc. So I, I understand that in this scenario with coaches, COVID and with decision makers that are making decisions that they have no say in necessarily, or even their parents in some cases, it seems that, yeah, I'm okay with them doing this on a one-time basis. Although certainly the core of me is thinking that ultimately the best of the best will, will end up coming out ahead anyway. Well, yeah, at least you, that's what you hope happens. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I, I mean, otherwise I, I, you know, some people would say, well, they'll just talk, chalk it up to COVID as to why some team ended up making it far when they, they weren't supposed to. So, who knows? But, yeah. yeah. You, you play the game for a reason. Yeah, yeah. Some but, teams match up better than others. So. That's true. That's true. And, by the way, one game, I, and I apologize that I omitted from last week, uh, we were speaking of a couple of those programs. Uh, Kent, Kent Island defeated Cambridge uh, at home 48-7 to uh, in that one. But uh, Cambridge 2-2, two and two, Kent Island, you know, 4-0. Um, right. but, uh, but, anyway, back to the uh, back to the playoffs. That's where we stay. And that was uh, unanimously, almost unanimously uh, approved both for the playoffs, but the six uh, classifications as well. Yeah, and we'll see. And I, I don't think you can make it perfect. You can just make it the best you can. And and I think teams will just have to make the best of what they can. And, you know, it's, it's a tough road for somebody like Cambridge to get into that uh, 1A2A. But what, what are you going to do? Yeah, I feel bad for Toby Peer and company, but hey, go, go shock the world. Yeah. Yeah, well, God bless him, Coach Pierre. Those guys have been throwing so many different, uh, so many different challenges, and yet they're two and two. And I'm sure next year he'll uh, he'll breathe a sigh of relief when the season's over and say, "Well, it can't get any tougher than this." <laughs> yeah, well, and, and speaking of tough, look at J.M. Bennett. My goodness, poor Dustin Mills. They hadn't been able to win a game, you know, this year. They've been close once or twice, but. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's had a three A that is absolutely loaded. Yeah. Oh. Yep. I hear you. Yeah. It's, it's right. Just make the best of it. 
All right, let's take a timeout when we come back. We've got college, the NFL, and a look ahead to week number five in the Bayside to get to. This portion of Time Out with Shore Sports Podcast is brought to you by For All Seasons Behavioral Health and Rape Crisis Center, providing outpatient mental health, psychiatric education, and rape crisis services to the English and Spanish-speaking communities, regardless of one's ability to pay. More info at forallseasonsinc.org. Well, Mark, you were on the collegiate campus of the University of Alabama, the number one team getting it done against Southern Miss handily at home. And uh, you talked about the first segment, uh, your experience there. But firsthand, uh, give me your your take on this uh, Alabama team 2021, which came off of a tight win on the road at Florida, which their run defense was not very good. But ultimately, they got it done and they were able to put up a fair amount of points. Well, the Alabama know-it-all are a little disappointed in the defense that they thought was supposed to be much much like my Redskins, a highly acclaimed defense. But the defense hasn't been showing up uh, this year for Alabama. Now, they showed up somewhat against a lesser opponent in Southern Miss, but gave up 14 points. And they were actually they moved the ball on occasions. But I felt bad for the Southern Miss quarterback, number five, I don't know what his name was, but he took a hell of a beating all night long uh, with that pressure from the Alabama defensive line. But they've got so much talent down there at, at, at Alabama, and their quarterback, Bryson Young, he's an impressive kid. And he, did, he wasn't on the field for the last 63-14 against the lesser opponent. I think coming in they were favored by 45, and he was looking a little iffy at that point whether they were going to win by that much. But you know, a couple of kickoff returns for touchdowns. The the number one uh, receiver for Alabama, and he was the kick returner. He had two kickoff returns for touchdowns, and a nice long bomb from Bryson Young where he beat everybody on the defense from Southern Miss to score. Uh, 81 yards, I think, was that pass play right into my lap. Uh, it was just, uh, it, it was an amazing uh, game for those two uh, to play together. But yeah, Bryson Young is obviously somebody to watch out for for Alabama. Uh, but if they want to be able to compete at the high level, although I say that, and you look at you know NC State beating Clemson, and it just it's topsy turvy right now. Your number five team in the nation struggled. Uh, against what Nebraska, I think Iowa did, and Colorado State. Don't know, Colorado State, yeah, and you just you don't know what to think. I mean, are you good enough? Because everybody else is not so good. College football, as I said, has been turned on its head. There are so many question marks as you take a look. And again, I I look at number two, Georgia. Who have they beaten? And you say, well, Mike, they beat Clemson. Yeah. Have you seen Clemson? They have two losses now. Their offense is pitiful. How they're still ranked in the top 25 is a joke. They lose to NC State. They've got no running game. Their offensive line has issues. And thus, their quarterback's struggling in the passing game because they have no run game. And obviously, the defense is stressed. Now, I'd still say the defense is is doing a a very good job on all this 
this year. It's not their problem, but the offense isn't getting it done. Um, you know, Oregon had the big win at Ohio State. You give them a lot of credit. They seem to be a solid team. But look at number four, Oklahoma, struggling again. Now, that's not a bad West Virginia team by any stretch of the imagination, but they're unranked, and you know, they're not uh, – or excuse me, Oklahoma has Heisman Trophy candidate Spencer Rattler, a quarterback. It got so bad Saturday night, Mark, that they were calling – the Oklahoma fans – calling their Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback. They were calling for the backup, Caleb Williams, who, by the way, went to Gonzaga, and uh, it came down to Oklahoma and Maryland among his choices. Obviously, he went to Oklahoma there, but they were calling for the backup quarterback, and the team came into the game 3-0. and uh, Well, would the real West Virginia please stand up? This is a team, you know, are you telling me West Virginia, they beat Virginia Tech, and West Virginia lost to Maryland. Yeah, in a, in a tight game, yeah, at Maryland. Yeah, yeah. So is Maryland really that much better? Well, they won by six, but to your point, though, I think you're you're right. You're expecting, you know, you get the 24 points against Maryland offensively. They had some turnovers in that game. But the, the way that West Virginia was moving the ball, you'd like to have thought they would have come away with more uh, than 13. Uh, but you give them a lot of credit. But Oklahoma's struggling. They don't quite have the offensive line themselves, and they're not running the ball that well. And West Virginia was able to take advantage of it and keep it close. But, you know, you can't, you're not going to win many games scoring 13 points. And you know, Oklahoma got fortunate that they were able to pull it out with 16, but it's unbelievable. They're calling for their Heisman Trophy candidate to be uh, replaced. And then you look, yeah, number five, Iowa struggling with Colorado State. At the end of the day, they went at home, but they've not they've not exactly been overly impressive. And you take a look at them running the football. That's supposed to be their bread and butter. They couldn't run the football against Iowa State. They couldn't run the football against Colorado State. Mark, 32 carries for 54 yards. I mean, that's unheard of. That's unheard of for Kirk Ferentz in the Iowa running game. And yet, Colorado State stuffed them. So my question for you then, uh, you're very familiar with Maryland. You know, Maryland had another big win. And is this game with Iowa, is it in College Park? Yeah, it's in, uh, it is in It is in College Park, and it's certainly a winnable game. Now, again, Maryland still has many steps to take before I think people are going to be truly believing in the program. But all you could do is play week to week and who's on your schedule. But Maryland's defense, I think, is the, the side of the ball not getting as much attention as the offense has. And I think that defense, very, very formidable. And I was replacing some guys on that O-line. You know, if they're able to hold Iowa, I'll tell you this right now, if they're able to hold Iowa uh, to under, under 100 yards rushing, then uh, they absolutely have a chance of winning that game. They have a strong secondary and offensively Maryland they could run they could throw they're at home going to be a ramped up crowd they absolutely have a shot to win this game well and if Maryland wins against the number five team in the nation mm-hmm. that would give Maryland what five wins and move one within being belt bowl eligible yes so, that's correct and obviously one of the largest wins in Maryland history if they can pull it off yeah, no, that's absolutely right. Now, I expect I will. I expect you're going to get, again, your your best uh, performance. Kirk Ferentz will have them ready to go. He obviously wants to see a better run attack from them, uh, but we'll see. You still ultimately have to go out there and do it. We've seen Wisconsin, and we, let's talk about that game, Wisconsin and Notre Dame. Wisconsin's offensive line was not very good last year for the first time in forever that I can remember, and they're not very good this year. Neither team of that game could run the ball. Now, a lot of that, too, to be fair, has to do with both. Both sides 
sides of the, or excuse me, both defenses for Wisconsin and Notre Dame are very good. But Wisconsin cannot run the football, and conversely, too much pressure on the passing game. And their quarterback, Graham Mertz, he's got skills, but too many picks and he's not been able to put it together anywhere near consistently and Wisconsin gets her doors blown off in the fourth quarter in that one and they lose big uh, to uh, Notre Dame in uh, Soldier Field and uh, I think you have to look at uh, you know here I am thinking ahead to the playoffs you know for college football a long long way to go there Mark long way to go though (laughs) it is but with with such I don't want to call with you know, that right now you don't know what to expect from any college football team. It's got to look good for a team like Cincinnati to have a future in the playoffs. Yeah, well, Cincinnati and Notre Dame meet, meet up, and that's why a lot of people were hoping Notre Dame wins that game against Wisconsin, who was ranked 18th. Now, I think ultimately we know Wisconsin, as it looks now, probably overrated this year. The, you know, but uh, that said, um, yeah, that's huge for Cincinnati because they get a a game against a highly ranked team, and if they can pull that off, they'll they're ranked eighth. I want to pull up the latest rankings here, but uh, Cincinnati, I believe, ranked eighth. So that's. Um, you know, for them, if they can win that game, that would be one of the biggest wins in their program history. Absolutely. You know, I, I love college football. I've been to a lot of uh, NFL games, you know, whether it was uh, for my beloved Redskins. I've been to a couple of Ravens games. Nothing matches the atmosphere of a college football game on the campus of a university, no matter what level it is. But, I mean, nothing rivals what I saw at Alabama, and I'm looking forward to Virginia Tech. But, yeah, I just – the atmosphere, the college kids, and half of them probably don't even have any clue what in the hell they're watching. But they're there, and they're making noise. And it just – I would love to see somebody like Cincinnati – you know, break in to shake everything up. Yeah. Well, Cincinnati AP top 25 poll that came out on Sunday, Cincinnati ranked seven, excuse me. So they're, they're up a spot. Notre Dame rose three spots with their win to number nine. So that's a huge matchup for them. Let me see if that is that game this week or is that in two weeks from now? That game, da, 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 that game is at Notre Dame, and that's this Saturday at 2.30. And you know, something I read or actually something I heard, Mark, which is amazing for Notre Dame, I believe five or six of their opponents this year are all coming off a bye week to play them. Now, one of those five or six, so is Notre Dame. But they've got five or six games where the opponent has an additional week to get ready for them, and Cincinnati's one of those teams. My son just uh, told me a little while ago before I left him uh, back there on the campus of Virginia Tech, that game time has already been set for 730 He's excited because he says that you know Virginia Tech plays better later in the day, mm-hmm. and uh, that game's coming up in a couple of weeks, and uh, that's there in Blacksburg, and he cannot wait for that game uh, there at uh, uh, Lane Stadium because that place, if if Notre Dame can come in still after beating Cincinnati, uh, he's even more excited about that game, and because he, he like Cincinnati and everybody else that plays Notre Dame. Yeah, they want to be able to say they beat Notre Dame. Absolutely, and and Notre Dame to to the credit of 
Brian Kelly, they're relevant again. And look, they get to the college football playoff and they haven't had success there, but I think that's as far as that program could go unless the administration makes some changes and uh, maybe allowing a few more players to come in that aren't as academically good. But I, you know, Brian Kelly has done a heck of a job there. He's really had to, I would say, reinvent himself, but change the way that he conducts business as a coach to his program and his players specifically. And he listened to his players a couple years ago and has really done an about face and is much more hands on and present with the players and the program. He was uh, somebody that, based on reports, was, uh, I don't want to say standoffish, but just wasn't as in tune with his team, wasn't um, on a, on a I guess, person-to-person basis, wasn't as good with that in, in meeting with players and being there for team events as, as much and maybe doing more fundraising than, than being with his team and such. And he's really done about-face, and they're, uh, they're a program now that is, is very relevant once again. Uh, no doubt about that. It's, you know, back on that Virginia Tech thing, you know, keep in mind Mike is the same one that's crying for, you know, one to replace Fuentes as the head coach and, and Braxton as their quarterback but was raving about the receiver and their kickoff returner, uh, Trey Turner, and uh, and what he has meant to that program. But, you know, you only beat Richmond 21-10. I wouldn't start counting on a victory over the yeah. likes of, of – uh, uh, Notre Dame just yet. Well, so. if you're going to change out coaches midseason, that's that's a significant statement when you do that. Now, part of that is, though, to get a, a head start on uh, the next coach so you give yourself plenty of time to be able to uh, go through the process of, of looking at candidates and reviewing them and doing your due diligence and such and also getting a head start on other programs who won't make that decision until the end of the year. But that's, yeah, that's a big deal, especially for the players that get Get recruited by that coach to fire someone midseason like that. We saw USC do that. Uh, we saw that uh, I think Georgia Southern, they just fired their coach in 1-2-A uh, after only a month of play. Uh, that's, um, boy, that's a rough thing to do. I'll just say that. And Auburn just fired their wide receiver coach. Uh, you know, I I heard that too. I actually heard that too. It's amazing, but they did. Yeah. yeah so, uh, no job is safe, Mike. Mine and yours included. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. All right, let's take a timeout. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk some pros. We'll do that, and then we'll wrap things up with a look at week number five in the Bayside Conference as we roll along. And this portion of the Timeout with Shore Sports podcast is brought to you by Queenstown Bank, your hometown community bank serving the Midshore for over 120 years. Convenient online and in-person banking, plus they have money to lend. Get more info at any Queenstown Bank location or go to queenstownbank.com. Also brought to you by Pretmoy Therapy Associates located at 460 Main Street in Stevensville. Let Rick Pret and the staff get you back to feeling new again, accepting most insurance policies. So step away from the pain by calling Pretmoy Therapy Associates at 410-604-2982. And hopefully they've dried out by now on Kent Island after that storm last week, Mark. Good golly, they got quite a bit of rain. Oh, I don't know anything about it. I just know that I'm bebopping up 81. I've still got four hours to go, 252 miles. So, um, yeah, <laughs> so I'm going to need Perrette to get me feeling new again after riding in this vehicle for so long. <laughs> well, let's talk some NFL, and how can we not start without talking about 
the kick. Justin Tucker, the 66-yarder NFL record uh, in Detroit at Ford Field, a place where he kicked a 61-yarder on a Monday night back in 2013. Detroit's been good to him. You know, look, of all guys, if there's a guy to do it, Justin Tucker would be the guy. But, Mark, you know how big of a fan I am. Even I sat there saying, that ain't going to happen. And yet it did. Well, and didn't he miss one earlier in the game? He did. He, he missed one for 49, but he had three other makes, though, after that, leading into that kick. So he had, at that I, point, he had kind of erased that. I had seen a fan of the Ravens put on his Facebook page that it may be time to look for a different kicker because Tucker had missed a field goal. And, but he was sniffing his jock after he kicked the 66-yarder. So. Well, that was not me, by the way. I, in no way am I no. calling for his firing. But, you know, but yeah, that's, um, yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy. But, he, uh, hey, give him all the credit. And, look, I know he's still got some years to go. I don't think anybody's going to quite have a career that Adam Vinatieri uh, did in terms of uh, longevity to begin with. And, of course, he was very fortunate to play on some outstanding Patriots teams and such. But Justin, Cuck- Justin Tucker is well on his way uh, to the Hall of Fame. But he's got, and, and from his words, he's got many more years in front of him. And he still feels like uh, he's still got some better years in front of him. I, I don't know that he could get any better though than that it must be the coffee uh, were you the one <laughs> wanting a, a 66 cent coffee offer this morning for uh him making the record you know that's a great I, I did not i should have thought about that myself and put that out there i did post a picture of a cup of coffee from royal farms um at my uh, at my studio board this morning at my full-time gig in the morning program and saying that the coffee tastes even better this morning thanks to justin tucker's uh, game-winning kick there nfl historic kick but let's let's think about this have the lions won a game yet this year no they are zero and three and we needed a record-setting 66-yard field goal from Justin Tucker to beat the Detroit Lions. What's going? What's the problem with Baltimore here? Well, Mark, if you've paid attention to the headlines, you've got, what, 15 guys on IR, seven or eight are starters, and then they had four guys uh, on the COVID list going into that game. Jalen Ferguson gets uh, on the COVID list, and then three other guys in close contact, starters, mind you, uh, including two defensive ends, or excuse me, uh, two outside linebackers at our star defensive tackle. So that's, that's what's happened. Now, that said... Uh, the Ravens came out, played a fairly solid first half, but they got tired. They got worn down, and they didn't quite have the energy that they had the first two weeks. I'll, I'll certainly grant you that. Detroit played much better. Also, Hollywood Brown, who I'm just going to call Marquise Brown, had two drops that should have been touchdowns uh, in the game. So that that would be my explanation. Yeah, he's, uh, he's somebody that has really struggled. Uh, to adapt to the life in the NFL. He's not consistent. I mean, when he's on, he's been really good, but then he'll have a game like this. Now, he has been really good to start the year, but a small sample size. Uh, but this game uh, th- this game uh, Sunday uh, was not was not one of them. He had a good game against Vegas and KC, but not, uh, not this one. And that hurt because that would have been the difference in the game. There was also a nice play by DB that tipped off his hands. And Sammy Watkins still had a chance at, but I, I don't think I'm going to uh, uh, get on Watkins 
questions too, too much about that. Lamar Jackson had himself a good game. Uh, he really did. Yeah. But uh, Tucker, what a kick there. No question. But the Ravens are going to have to recoup. Uh, they're banged up. They got COVID guys and they have to go to Denver against a very good defense. And uh, so far, uh, Bridgewater has looked good. That team's looked good 3-0. Yeah. Uh, that schedule, though, has benefited them. But still, uh, you're not going to apologize for 3-0 in the NFL. No, no. Teddy Bridgewater has done a nice job. Jameis Winston's done a nice job in in uh, New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans, yep. you know, despite just one week. Um, but we talked about your favorite team. Let's talk about mine. Yeah. What in the world are we going to do with this Washington defense? I, I don't know if it's Jack Del Rio not calling an aggressive defensive call, you know, or or if it's the players. The you cannot sit back and let the play, you know, like Josh Allen pick you apart, much like he did on the first drive and, you know, of the game. This defense has not been very impressive at the beginning because they're not getting pressure on the quarterback. And personally, I think Del Rio is just, he's not dialing up the blitzes. He's sitting back in, in a zone. And it's just allowing the quarterback to have too much time and pick apart that defense. Now, now tell me this, though. Chase Young and Montez Sweat, th- those are two guys that you shouldn't have to blitz nearly as much when you have two guys like that off the edges. What's been happening with them? Well, according to head coach Ron Rivera, um, they, you know, Chase Young's getting double teamed and triple teamed. Mm-hmm. And he is putting so much pressure on himself that he gets out of position. I think our weakest group on this defense is the linebacker position, um, you know, and, and, and it shows immensely. We don't have the speed of linebacker except for the kid they drafted, and he's so raw. They're they're working on getting increasing his play count, but you know that when you've only got four, and their teams are holding in with five and six people to hold, you know, to to block. They're not getting the pressure. They've got to send, yeah, they got to dial up a, a blitz from a linebacker or a blitzing safety or a cornerback. Just catch them by surprise. It just seems like Washington is playing a vanilla defense right now. And what certainly doesn't help either is you take a look specifically to the game on Sunday against Buffalo, too, when your offense goes 2 of 11 on third down, you're giving the ball back to Buffalo quite a bit there. You throw two interceptions into the mix as well, and you're right, you're, you're giving Buffalo uh, the complete recipe for a win. Yeah, and and a blowout win it was, too. Yeah, 43 I mean, to 21, yep. And uh, Buffalo... Josh Allen yes, as, one, as one of my starting quarterbacks in my three leagues that I'm in, so I mean... Yeah. He, he scored a lot of points for me. Yep. Uh, just quickly taking a look elsewhere. Uh, look, help the, the LA Chargers going into KC and handed them their second straight loss. Uh, yeah. So KC at the bottom of the AFC West. But look, I'm going to take that a little bit with a grain of salt. They lose to a good Baltimore team at home, even though they they did blow that. Their defense is not their strong point. Uh, but it's not like they, they were right in that game. It's not like they uh, got run over. The LA Chargers are a much improved team as well. So KC's two losses are nothing to be embarrassed about by long shot. I think they'll be fine, but obviously their defense is, is an area that they have to be concerned about that you'll have to watch, that, again, the onus will be on the offense. Um, were there any other games that, that stood out to you, um, Mark? Well, yeah, I mean, because if you think about it, you know, Kansas City's one and two. You've got the Chargers are two and one, 
But you mentioned the Broncos. They're at 3-0. and The Raiders are 3-0, and who used a uh, overtime score to beat Miami. Really good game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, so you're looking at Kansas City's already two games in the hole to both Denver and Las Vegas. Uh, the Raiders. Yeah. yeah. And, well, the Raiders. And they're one in the hole to uh, uh, the uh, uh, Chargers. Chargers, yeah. You know, I think some other games. How about Joe Burrow? You know, he's uh, he's back to form and looking good for Cincinnati. Um, the, the game, I think they played uh, uh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's a me- Mark, Pittsburgh's a mess. Their offensive line is a mess, which we knew coming in, but they sustained a couple of injuries in that game. They talked about running the football this year, Mark. Uh, Roethlisberger threw the ball 58 times. They ran the ball just 15. That's not what Matt Canada was hired as OC to do. They fired their OC last year because they got too pass happy. He's got to be sitting back yesterday saying, well, why did you fire me then if you're going to do this? Because we had to resort to throwing the ball a bunch last year because we couldn't run the football then either. So why did you fire me? Yeah, Najee Harris, the running back there, is he's a beast. Give him the rock and let him do something. Oh, he had a huge game, 14 catches, 102 yards, but he only had 2.9 yards per carry running the football, though. Yeah, and you got you got to have a running game. So it's going to be interesting to watch this season continue to play out. I, I kind of feel like the NFL is is much like the, uh, the college football scenario with, mm. you know, the – Teams are really starting to kind of even out. Well, there's no front. There's no front runner right now. I mean, KC has some vulnerability, as we've seen there. Uh, You know, Tampa Tampa. Bay, they lost to a a solid L.A. Rams team in L.A. by 10 points. And and, and one of those scores came later in the game. So, really, L.A. led that by 17. Um, That's a sizable win for them, ultimately. Yeah. Green Bay, they bounced back. They look good. But that was a late second field goal and a, a long one. How about uh, Jacksonville with the 108-yard field goal attempt return for a touchdown, huh? Well, that was the beginning. We we can can wrap that up there, is that Matt Prater had the record for longest field goal at 64 yards um, coming into yesterday's game. So Prater attempted a 68-yarder against Jacksonville. At Jacksonville, beautiful day on grass. I don't think the wind was a factor, so you can't say that you know the conditions were bad, so on and so forth. Now, granted, it wasn't a dome that Tucker had. I'll grant you that uh, clearly. But he attempted it, was short, and the player returned it for Jacksonville. I don't know who it was specifically. Returned it for, what, 109 yards, I think, for a touchdown. Yeah, 108, 109. Yeah. Uh, who won the uh, the, the uh, New York Giants Atlanta game? So Atlanta kicked a field goal at the end to win. So both New York teams Perfect. are zero and three now. For the Jets, you can kind of understand that to some extent. Rookie quarterback, uh, although one of the O linemen called out uh, their quarterback to, on Monday and uh, in saying, "Hey, you got to get rid of the ball faster." But the Giants, Daniel Jones, zero and three. Jones statistically twenty four thirty five for two sixty six, but fans cannot be happy. No, not at all. Oh well, it they, just gives my uh, my Redskins life with that uh, one and two record. They so. booed when they, so they had the jersey retirement for Eli Manning Sunday. They booed Wellington Mara, one of the owners of the Giants, for their well poor start to the season and really their their last several seasons, which have not been up to snuff up to snuff for them. Yeah, no doubt about it. Why don't we take a break and when we come back, let's talk uh, our 
overtime live Preston Ford game of the week for this week. To the people who reach into a carton. Well, that's not the uh, that's not the the ad we wanted to play, but well, yes, we'll do just that. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> This portion of the Time Out with Shore Sports podcast is brought to you by, and Mark talked about them earlier, an optical, excuse me, an optical galleria. You know, they've created a brand-new sunglass line known as Hook Optics. And, Mark, an amazing fit for heads of all sizes and a variety of colored, polarized <laughs> lenses. You wore yours, too, at the University of Alabama over the weekend. And I'm wearing them right now, coming up 81 with this beautiful sunshine a two-lane interstate highway that needs to have another lane, you know, <laughs> built in, so that we'd be able to, you know, have some more running room here. Just for you? <laughs> yeah, just for me, like a lane for a Potter lane, so that I can drive 85 up the highway. <laughs> there so. you go. All right, so <laughs> let's talk high school football. The Bayside Conference, week number five. We'll get to uh, the game of the week last, but at uh, six thirty, you've got North Carolina hosting Easton. We talked about you know Carolina having the additional time with James and Bennett canceling the game against Caroline so they can rest up and they can game plan. Uh, this ought to be a good one. And again, another game of contrasting styles for Easton against a run-heavy uh, team like North Caroline where uh, you know they face Parkside, which also is a double-tight run-heavy. Caroline's the same. And the question I think uh, ultimately will come down to is you know who can uh, offensively, you know, who can make more plays and which defense can prevent the big play. I think the over-under in this game is 48. And uh, I, would, I would have to say that it's going to be a good test for Easton in the sense of their defense. Can they stop the wing T offense of North Carolina? And, and then when you look back into the spring when Easton converted, it was a 14-13 game, and Easton was able to convert a two-point conversion to win that contest. It's. I, I think it's going to come down to special teams. I really do. And I, I think Easton's going to score more than the 14 points they scored in the spring. And I think North Carolina's going to be able to crack off a, a few big plays. But it's going to be, can their offense maintain the possession and, and create some third and shorts for the Bulldogs? Or will defense of Easton force North Carolina into some third and longs. If they got a lot of third and longs, it may be a long day for the Bulldogs. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of in the middle because I, I'm not so sure this is going to be uh, a high-scoring affair, but I don't think it's going to be quite as low-scoring as it was last year. Uh, so I, I'm somewhere in the middle, in, in the mid-20s, but I think you've broken that down uh, very well. And realize, too, though, what Easton's able to do is in their passing game, though, they've got a lot of extended runs, essentially, with uh, passes out to the flats and a lot of one-on-ones. So how tackling will be in the open space that'll also be big for North Carolina uh, against Easton in that one um, yeah I, I certainly think offensively in terms of putting up points uh, Easton has the ability to do more there than what North Carolina does but uh, North Carolina getting after it against Easton's offensive line I don't know that Easton's going to quite have the time uh, to be able to throw the football and as successfully against North Carolina as they did against Parkside um, but uh, it'll be uh, it'll be a fun matchup for sure it will be, and there's a lot, excuse me, there's a lot of tape out there, and Easton tends to tip their place. So it's going to be interesting to see how North Carolina, if if they're picking up those tips, 
being able to get out and cover those, like you call the extension of the run with those quick screens and such. You know, North Carolina can pick one of those and take a pick six. So it's going to be interesting to see. It'll be a chess match between the coaches, but at the same time, I think, as we said earlier in the program, both teams know what the other's going to do. Let's see how the players play it out. Also at 630, Cambridge hosting Kent County, and that's a game where Cambridge, they've been very good against the 1As when they've had uh, a Milford or Kent Island, both uh, 2A-type teams. I'd say Milford's an equivalent 2A team uh, to an extent out of Delaware's Hell Open Conference. You know, Cambridge has struggled. Uh, We talked about Kent County being blown out by Queen Anne's very young team. Uh, They've got some injuries uh, in that one, so take away from that what you will uh, with Cambridge. Is there still continuing to evolve and learn that new system and still figure out who their starting quarterback's going to be if they're going to keep going with two or if they've got one guy that will emerge in that one. Well, and this is a good chance for them to make that decision for the last half of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Also, uh, 7 o'clock, Queen Anne's County is hosting James M. Bennett, and Bennett coming off of a a week in which they did not play against North Carolina cancellation. One can guess about that one. Uh, but uh, Queen Anne's certainly a team that they had uh, a nice day scoring the football last week. But I think I bet it will be a little bit tougher opponent for them. But, again, that's a Bennett team that lost to 1A Cambridge uh, a couple of weeks ago. Well, it doesn't get any easier for Bennett, does it? I mean, Dustin Mills, no. they're just still searching for that first win this year. And I think we knew this year was going to be a building year for Bennett because their numbers were way down. And I think it's, I think Dustin is having to rebuild a roster and rebuild the energy for Clipper football. And, you know, hopefully he's able to do that uh, over the next couple of years. Also, it's seven snow hills at Nandua. Nandua was supposed to play Washington last week, but that game was canceled. Haven't done a lot of research on Nandua, so I, I don't know. But Snow Hill wanting to bounce back after being shut out 42 to nothing. They put up a ton of points against Arcadia. I'll have to research Nandua, Mark. Not sure about them, but they'll look for a bounce back win. And then Saturday at noon at County Stadium, Parkside's hosting Stephen Decatur. And we know that. Steven Decatur, despite their loss to Wicomico, put up a ton of points in the air. Parkside played a similar type spread team at Easton, had a tough time stopping the pass. So that's going to be the question. Can the Rams limit Decatur's air raid? And can Parkside run the football on Decatur the way Wicomico did? Well, if Kevin O'Connor had 400 and some yards um, against Parkside, 306 and 155, Snellsire is not going to run the ball as much. No, but he's not. Snellsire could turn around and he could have a 550 to 600 yard day uh, <laughs> if Parkside doesn't get that pass defense fixed. Yeah, well, I would say this don't man up, or else there's going to be another 50 passes in the game uh, <laughs> right. for, uh, you know, for for Stephen and Cater. I mean, they literally ran the ball like twice in that one. It's, a, it's amazing. But uh, nonetheless, uh, if not for a couple of special teams plays, Decatur wins that. Uh, Decatur likely, I should say, wins that game. And then our game of the week at six well, o'clock. Well, hold on just a second. Yeah. Uh, a note to Brenda Riley on that on that contest for this coming Saturday against Stephen Decatur. Um, you know what? Four ten minute drives would probably be in your favor. <laughs> there you okay? go. So yeah, you may want to hold on to the ball. 
Also, uh, non-conference affair as well. I, I did not mean to omit this, but uh, Washington is due to take on Our Lady of Mount Carmel, and I believe that's the Our Lady of Mount Carmel from uh, Eastern Baltimore County, which is a private school, of course. But the game of the week that we have between Wicomico hosting Ken Island, Mark, kickoff at 6 o'clock, pregame of 545. Yeah, it's the Roto-Rooter pregame show at 540, and... The Chin Check Sports Locker kickoff coming up at 6 o'clock on Friday night. I'll be back on the call with that one with Matt Griffith. And I'm looking forward to this because I, I like what Y High brings to the contest. But I also think that, self-included, I overlooked Ken Island earlier on. And Ken Island has had some impressive wins. And it, it's going to be interesting to see how the Buccaneers plan to attack Y High. And and I if Y High can beat Kent Island, then Isaiah Taylor can say his team has arrived. If Kent Island wins, I think Kent Island automatically becomes a favorite to win the two A East and head to the state quarterfinals. And yes, I know we're still got half the season left, but I think that it's it's a telltale game early on for both Y High and Ken Island. Y High's played the tough competition. This is their last tough competition of the year, in my opinion, because they played North Carolina, they played Easton, and they played um, Ken Island. And Decatur. They played Decatur, right. They played Ken Island Friday, right. No, I, I certainly yeah. agree with you. Now, look, if Y High were to lose this game in a tight one, I'd say they still arrived because they still have some big wins over some very good North teams. But ultimately, Ken Island would at that point absolutely be uh, considered the best team of the Bayside. And some consider them the best team of the Bayside now. I know my rankings, uh, and as of this uh, podcast dropping, you'll have new rankings coming out. Wasn't able to get them out Monday. I apologize about that. But I've had Wicomico 1 and Ken Island 2 the last couple of weeks. Ken Island will certainly have uh, earned the one spot. But some people feel Ken Island should be 1, Wicomico should be 2, or the both are, are tied right now and given their... Um, you know, given their uh, schedule so far and their their win loss, uh, but uh, this is why they play the game, so it'll it'll play out. But if Ken Island should blow out Wicomico, you know that could be a little bit of a different story. But I still think the Indians, though, they've made big strides already. Mark, I think you would agree. Yeah, I, and I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think this is going to be a close contest. Um, yeah, agree. Sure, agreed. who will win? But that being said, you know, Mike, you do picks every single week, uh, and uh, we post it on ShoreSportsMD.com on our Overtime Live page. And we're inviting fans to pick along. So if you want to get in picks for this week, all you got to do is email them to us, mark at ShoreSportsMD.com, and I'll put your picks up right with Mike's, and then we'll turn around and we'll see how you do against the professional because Mike does a pretty good job of picking these games each and every week. But uh, I'd be curious to see if anybody else can become a, 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 a prognosticator, much like yourself. So send your picks, Mark, at ShoresportsMD.com. If you have comments about Mike's rankings and why you think that he's wrong or, or is he right, he'll take praise, too. As a matter of fact, he really likes praise. You can send that to... <laughs> Mike at shoresportsmd.com. But uh, give us some comments if there's stuff that you want us to talk about. 
you know, we, we love talking about stuff. As you can tell, we've spent the last hour talking. Yeah, 90 minutes. So, uh, yeah. We're 90 minutes, really? We're 90 minutes, yeah. No wonder I got a pee. Longest so. podcast ever, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we covered a guy. We covered a good gamut of stuff. Yeah, but twenty three and two on the year, Mark. Twenty three and two on the year on those picks. And if I had paid attention to my poll, uh, it, it should be twenty four and one. Yeah, well, I, I would be twenty five and out. So, oh, okay, very good. Well, but since you never go on record, I, I get it. Why? Because you call the games. But since you never go on record, uh, we'll. we'll Kind of take you at your word for it. <laughs> Just call me Joe Buck. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Uh, but no. Well, Mark, uh, we've made it through another Shore Sport or Time Out with Shore Sports podcast, that is, uh, week uh, or edition number 13. And you've been on the road this entire time. And you know what? As crappy as your service is on the shore, you've held up for all 90 minutes here. I, and I'm really surprised because I've got uh, bounced between one and two bars LTE. So uh, there's a message for you, Sprint. Get your shit together on the shore because <laughs> I'd like to have this kind of signal over there like uh, I did here. When Mark and I try to talk about high school sports, shore sports, MD, overtime live, I'm telling you, he goes out every two minutes on me. I was like, you've got to get him. you got to improve yeah. this. Yeah, and here we are. Through the mountains of Virginia, I still got 72 miles before I get to I-66. So, well, I'm not going to talk you all the way in, but we we got you a lot further than where you started. Yeah, we're three and a half hours, 335 away now, 219 miles to go, <laughs> but we're bebopping at 79 miles an hour. So, oh, geez, very good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you got a nice plush. You got a nice plush truck there from Preston, and uh, I know Matt Griffith had a nice plush truck that uh, I rode in briefly on Friday. So you did nice. You got nice I, I travels. Have, I don't have Griffith's money, so his truck is a lot nicer than mine. Has a lot more perks and like a, you know a reinforced seat and stuff like that. So um, you know, me on the other hand, I do love my new truck. I picked it up with sixty-four miles and. Right now we're at 1,978, so we've logged some miles this weekend. Well, Mark, I appreciate you checking in from the road and glad we could uh, make this all happen thanks to uh, Cell Technology that decided to work for you this time. But I uh, want to thank everybody, our great advertisers and those that follow our podcast. Again, Mark at ShoresportsMD.com, Mike at ShoresportsMD.com, ShoresportsMD.com. Get out the word uh, on the website and, of course, all that we have to offer there. Absolutely. Check out ShoresportsMD.com. I think Mike and I, we're going to slide down uh, this week. Over the next two weeks, we're going to be working with a couple of football programs and do some special features and such. So uh, be checking for that as well. Not only covering football, we're covering all high school sports at ShoresportsMD.com. Spread the word. Make sure uh, you're listening to this podcast. Share it for us, please. We need more people to know about it because, after all, we enjoy talking, and we want to have reasons to talk. Hey, make sure you join next week. Don't miss next week's show. Scott Abraham, who used to be with WBOC here on the shore, he now is with WJLA Sports, Channel 7 out of Washington, D.C. He's gone big time on us, and he hadn't forgotten about us little guys. He'll be with us next Tuesday right here on Time Out with Shore Sports, presented by 
the Preston Automotive Group. You've been listening to the Time Out with Shore Sports Podcast with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Look for another timeout soon here on ShoresportsMD.com.